Welcome to Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This is class number 14, where we continue our study of the Word of Wisdom as an example of the contributions made in our lives by the Doctrine and Covenants. We have been looking at the two layers of the Word of Wisdom. Layer one, last week's class, was the principle with promise. This week we look at layer two, the conspiracy. The word of wisdom was given to us as a warning against a conspiracy. So again, we have talked about the foundation scriptures for the restoration. That's the Book of Mormon. Now, the scriptures of the restoration is the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, now we've jumped into some major contributions of the Doctrine and Covenants. And last week, two weeks ago, we started the Word of Wisdom. Now it just blows me away at how brilliant the Lord can weave so many messages into the Word of Wisdom. Now I suggested last week that there are two major layers. Layer number one is the principle with promise. And the principle is that the soul of man is body and spirit. If you can just get that into your head, you can, you can do so many things to improve your physical health and your spiritual health. If you can understand that they are inseparably connected, that body and spirit make the soul of man. So, for example, if you struggle with depression or anxiety, and that's pulling down your spirit or your body, Anything that would lift your spirit would help lift your body. You can do some wonderful things. Now, I, it's not like I can pray and remove depression. I don't believe that. But what I can do is I can lift my spirit, which would have a lifting effect on my body. If you understand the connection between body and spirit, you have a lot of power over your revelation, your spiritual life, as well as your physical, mental, and emotional health. That's the principle. Layer number one. Now, at the same time that the Lord is teaching this incredible layer number one, he also gives us layer number two. Let me introduce layer number two when the Book of Mormon. Turn with me to, he to Helaman chapter one and look at the section heading. Now, I would suggest... Helaman is a brilliant lesson on the days before the second coming. That the first coming of Christ in America is like the second coming to the world. Therefore, the days before the first coming in America are like the days before the second coming. It's a great lesson on our day. And so what happens in the very first? Tell me, just read, read for me the chapter heading. Helaman chapter 1. Pehorn is murdered by Kishkumen. And they form a secret combination. And so this is really the first time in the Book of Mormon we've really seen that secret combination. Now we, we began to see it in Alma during the war chapters, but this is really where they form a secret combination based on the oaths and the covenants made of old. Now, go to chapter 2, Helaman chapter 2. It gets worse. The Gadianton leads the band of Kishkumen. Gadianton leads the band. And now we get perhaps one of the best definitions of a secret combination. Let me pull that back up. I don't know why I lost that. Okay, so tell me this, the words you would have me circle here. When the, Hel the servant of Helaman had known all the heart of Kishkumen and how it was in his objective to murder. So I would suggest that secret combinations are built to murder. And also that it was his objective of all those who belonged to his band to murder and to rob and to gain power. Now, I would suggest those three form kind of the heart and soul of what makes up a secret combination. This was their secret plan to rob, murder, 
and gain power. So it always has to do with power, stealing and ending life. Power, stealing and ending life. That was their secret plan. So remember those words, end life, rob and steal or rob and gain power. Now go to the very end of chapter two. This is Mormon. We're going to hear a very similar commentary from his son Moroni. But this is Mormon saying, verse 13, who will read this for me? Please. And behold, at the end of this book, ye shall see that this getting up and did prove the overthrow, yea, almost the entire destruction of the people. Keep going. Next verse. Behold, I do not mean the end of the book of Helaman, but I mean the end of the book of Nephi, from which I have taken all the accounts which I have. So Mormon's talking about his day, right? He's talking about, he's, he's living in the end, and he's recognizing this is where it began. This is where it began, and I am telling you right now, this destroyed my society. This destroyed the Nephite society. Secret combinations proved the destruction of the entire Nephite nation. Now, Moroni is going to now write in the book of Ether. So turn to Ether. Let's go back to the Jaredites. And let's find the moment where the, the secret combinations enter into the Jaredites. Ether chapter 8. Now this is where Omer is king. And his son Jared wants the kingdom. So there's a desire for power, right? A desire for power, so he wants to kill his dad and steal the kingdom. Starting to see the seeds here. I want power, I'm going to kill my dad and steal the kingdom. So I need a secret combination to do it. And so this is where he has Akish, his daughter dances and desires Akish, and Akish wants his daughter, and you can have it if you bring me my dad's head. Lovely daughter there. And as soon as they are done, notice what it says. Verse 18, and they formed a secret combination. Now, I need you to notice this phrase. Mormon and now Moroni keep pointing back to as they of old, the original, the early secret combinations. They formed a secret combination even as they of old. Which combination is most abominable and wicked above all in the sight of God? Now Moroni who's seen how many of the societies destroyed. He's studying the destruction of the Jaredites. He's lived through the destruction of the Nephites. So he says, verse 21, and they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking, and also the destruction of the people of Nephi. Do you see a pattern? First group to America after the flood, Jaredites, destroyed by secret combinations. Next group, Lehites, destroyed by secret combination. Next group, us, the Americans. Do you see the pattern? Do you see what Moroni's trying to say? Do you see the writing on the wall? I'm starting to hear it. I've seen the pattern. Two previous civilizations destroyed by secret combinations. Now the prophecy. Whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain... Until they shall spread over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. Any nation that lets these in is going to be destroyed. Now, who does Moroni specifically want to talk to? He's, he's studied the Jaredites. He's lived the Nephites. Now I want to talk to the next group. O ye Gentiles. It is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins and suffer not that these murderous combinations. I want you to see that plural. Suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built up to get power and gain. Now the prophecy. Here we go. Ready? The Lord commandeth you, when you shall see these things come among you, that you shall awake to the sense of your awful situation. 
Now, what does he start to do? Notice what he does next. I hope I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but the thing about the Book of Mormon is I don't have to question translation. I know the translation's right. Because of this secret combination. He went from singular or plural to singular. And notice all the rest of the verses talks about not them, but it. Moroni foresaw a great secret combination. And he warned us, when you see this, when you see them come, notice the plural, when you see them come, you better awake because of this secret combination. So Moroni specifically calls out a great secret combination in our day. Now, if you've ever read the Doctrine and Covenants, how many secret combinations has the Lord called out in our day? One. Moroni sees one and the Lord calls out one. I can't help but connect that dot. I may be wrong and I'm totally acknowledging I may be wrong. But the Lord calls out one in the Doctrine and Covenants, and Moroni calls out one. I have to conclude that they're somehow related. So before we go to the Word of Wisdom and see the Lord call out this great secret, let's go back to the original. They keep pointing back to the beginning, so let's go back to the original. Turn to Moses chapter 5, Pearl of Great Price. Moses 5, and we're going to watch the first formation of a secret combination. And who forms it? Cain and Lucifer. Cain and Lucifer form the first secret combination. Now, why do we call them secret combinations? Let's go to verse 30. Tell me one reason why they're called secret combinations. They do things in secret. And that was Kishkumen. That was um, Akish. That's exactly how the Jaredite started, the Nephite started. Someone wanted to murder someone, so they kept it a secret. They do things in secret. So secret combinations do things in secret, but I think verse 31 is one of the most important verses for our day. What's another reason they're called secret combinations? Because they know a secret. The heart of secret combinations is Satan's secret. Satan has a secret. And if you can understand that Satan has a secret, you can prepare yourself for it. What is Satan's great secret? That I may murder and get gain. Give me synonyms for get gain. Rob. I have power to murder and steal. That's Satan's secret. How to gain power to murder and steal. I call this the Mahan principle. Mahan's secret is I know how to murder for gain. I know how to get rich off of your life. I know how to end your life and get rich. That's Satan's secret. Now look at verse 33. Why did Cain kill Abel? We kind of think it was jealousy, right? That he killed him over jealousy. Look at verse 33. Why does Cain kill Abel? To steal his flocks. He figured out how to end life and get rich doing so. Satan taught him a secret. Let me tell you how to end life and get rich. So think about all the ways 
men have gained power to steal and end life. Let me give you some big ones. American slavery. Someone taught someone, Satan taught them how to turn someone else's life into my profit. How to spend your life. I have power. Now that took power, didn't it? <coughs> you had to have power to steal and end life. Someone taught, or Satan taught someone how to employ a secret. Every war I have ever studied boils down to someone employing Satan's secret. I want to get rich. I hate to say it, but one of the main motivating factors for war has been someone got rich and someone lost their life so that someone who had the power could steal their possessions. That is the history of human, of this earth. Satan's secret to turn life into money. Now, our day. Would Satan be getting worse at this or better at this? After thousands of years of practicing, would Satan have figured out how to be really, really good at this? So now turn with me to the word of wisdom. And if you've never noticed it, notice it today. Why does the Lord say he gives us the word of wisdom? Verse 4, go to Doctrine and Covenants 89, verse 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Section 89, verse 4. Now notice verse 3 was our principle. Principle with promise. That's layer number one. But notice verse 4. And I, I don't mean to be negative and I don't mean to point the finger, but every lesson you've ever been taught on the word of wisdom, every sacrament talk, every, everything you've ever heard about word of the wisdom focuses what? Hey, there's a bunch of stuff we're not supposed to eat. And if you love the Lord, you won't eat it. And I have never, ever sat in a sacrament meeting where someone said, someone made the connection between Satan's secret and the word of wisdom. But read verse 4. Who wants to read for me? James, read verse 4. Behold, verily thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. Now say that in your own words. Say that in James Seeley words. Because people are bad, like people tend to do bad things, and there are people that are wanting to do bad things. I'm gonna. I've told you, and I'm gonna tell you again what you're supposed to do and how I speak to your heart. I will warn you about. A conspiracy. I am warning you all about a conspiracy. I am warning you about a conspiracy. Give me a synonym for conspiracy. Secret combinations. The word of wisdom is the Lord calling out a secret combination. I am warning you that there are evil men who will conspire to do what? What are they conspiring to do? Steal, kill, because they have power. They are conspiring to have power over you so that they can steal and kill. That's it. Those, are the, those are the key words. Those are the words we keep hearing. The word of wisdom is a warning against a secret combination. So now make the connection. What is the connection? What's the connection between the word of wisdom and Satan's secret? Now look at the brilliance of it. How many times can Cain kill Abel and steal his flock? One time. A few flock? Come on, you could do better than that. In our day, Satan says, look, you don't have to end their life to steal their money. There's a better way. What's the better way? 
Addict them so that they will spend their life giving you money until they are dead. Oh my goodness, that is a totally different layer of the word of wisdom. That there are conspiracies trying to use addiction in Satan's secret. The, the twist here is, if I can get you addicted, now I have power over you. There's number one. If I can get you addicted, I have power over you. And if I have power over you, I can do what? I can steal your money until you're dead. Oh my goodness. Do you see the connection between all of these things that the Lord is yelling out that the secret combinations of our day are not people get I don't think they're people getting together to murder the chief judge. I think that's an easy way. I, I can only control so much if I kill the chief judge, but if I could addict billions of people they will pay me money for the rest of their lives. Let's take the two main conspirators identified in the word of wisdom. What are the two main ones? Let's take tobacco. They have figured out how to way to get a simple plant into your life so that they control you. Anyone have any idea? what the average smoker will pay the tobacco industry over the course of their life? Each. If just this were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, if just this room were smokers, how much money would this room be giving the tobacco industry? 1.5 million. Now, expand that to everything that you see. They have control over people's lives. And people are just shelling out money to them. To kill them. I, I don't mean to be facetious, but that's brilliant, isn't it? Satan is brilliant on how to employ this secret. How about the alcohol? Tell me what they've done. It's, fun. it's cool, it's fun. Somehow they have convinced the world that alcohol is manly. It's fun, it's awesome. And if you don't participate, you're the prude. I hate to say it, but that's a brilliant. How have they done that over these years? So that they have power to steal your money until you die. James. So this principle could be applied to really anything. We're getting there. Okay. Let's do this first and we're going to go there. I just, can I share this? I don't know if this is true or false, but in theory it certainly is true. Apparently... This hung, um, where did I put it? On a saloon keeper. This hung in a saloon in Arizona. Come on, I want that. Oh, that's why. Friends and neighbors, allow me to inform you that I shall make drunkards Poppers, beggars for the sober, industrious, respectable part of the community to support. My whiskeys will excite riot, robbery, and bloodshed. They will diminish your comforts, increase your expenses, and shorten your life. I will confidently recommend them as sure to multiply fatal accidents and incurable diseases. They will deprive some of life, others of reason, some of character, and all of peace. They will make fathers fiends, mothers widows, children orphans, and all poor. I will train your sons in infidelity, indulgence, ignorance, lewdness, and every other vice. I will corrupt religion, obstruct the gospel, defile the church, and cause as much temporal and eternal death as I can. It may be at the loss of my soul, but I have a family to support and the public encourages it. I have paid my license and the traffic is lawful, and if I don't sell it, somebody else will. 
I know the Bible says thou shalt not kill and no drunkard shall enter the kingdom of heaven and I don't expect the drunkard maker to fare any better but I want an easy living and I have resolved to gather my wages of iniquity and fatten on the ruin of my species. I shall therefore carry on my business with energy and do my best to diminish the wealth of the nation and endanger the safety of the state. As my business flourishes in proportion to your sensuality and ignorance, I will do my best to prevent moral purity and intellectual growth. Should you doubt my ability, I refer you to the pawn shops, the poorhouse, the police court, the hospital, the penitentiary, and the gallows, where you will find many of my best customers have gone. A sight of them will convince you that I do what I say. Allow me to inform you that you are fools. And I am an honest saloon keeper. Do you see the conspiracy? Do you see how much power Satan has to control lives in our day? Now, I would suggest to you that the word of wisdom has a whole bunch of red. red. These are the things I forbid in your membership. Your membership is at stake here. These are so addictive. Now, people simply say, well, you Mormons won't allow coffee and tea, but you'll drink caffeinated drinks. Again, it's not the ingredients. It's the conspirator. And I would suggest that the coffee and tea industry is not the same conspirator that the, the soft drink industry is, at least not in Joseph Smith's day. So now all of a sudden you have to realize the implication here. That what the Lord is saying is there's a whole lot of yellow where your membership is not at stake. I won't ask you this in the temple recommend, but I am warning you that you are addicted. And I think those are the ones we need to talk about. Gambling is here. That's an addiction that they will that will bar your membership. In Las Vegas, the church has very specific rules. If you do this in a casino, if this is your job, you can't have a recommend. We won't let you be part of that industry and have a recommend. That's a red because of the conspiracy. So yeah, your temple recommend is at stake if you are addicted to any of the reds. But no one's going to ask you in a temple recommend question about some of the yellows. And yet the spirit of the word of wisdom, the spirit of layer two is to be wise enough to say, oh my goodness, I have an addiction. Someone has power over me. And I am shelling out money. I have a yellow word of wisdom problem. And it may not affect my membership, but it certainly is affecting my spirituality. So let's talk about a few of them. Unfortunately, I'm, I've ruined your life because now you're going to see them everywhere. It's like when you buy a red car, what do you start noticing? Every red car. You buy a red Toyota Corolla, pretty soon you start to realize every single red Toyota Corolla. On the, I am going to ruin your life because now you're going to see, right, James? You've seen them everywhere in the last couple of years because you begin to see, oh my goodness, I can't believe how many industries have figured out how to addict me to take my money. Let me do a couple very prominent ones that are coming up. Energy drinks. Tell me what they're selling. At least with tobacco, there's a stigma associated with smoking, right? But what are energy drinks selling? Energy. And it works for a while, right? What's the brilliance? What's the brilliance of their plan? You take an energy drink and it works for a while. And then you crash. And what do you need when you crash? Another energy drink. Brilliant! Let me tell you, you are fools. And I have power over you. And I'm going to steal your money. That is a red, a yellow line industry that I would wave my arms and say, I know people who have given up control. Debt. 
is another one. I will let you buy now and pay later. And oh, will you pay later. And I will own you. And you will pay me dearly. I would watch out for that conspiracy. You begin to see them everywhere. Weight loss can be a conspirator. Tell me what they do. General rule, if you want to lose weight, general rule is more goes out than comes in. That's the general rule. And I know hormones play a part in that. And some people, that's not the rule. But the general rule is more goes out than comes in. There's a, there, then there's a net deficiency and I lose weight, right? If more comes in than goes out, then I increase. And then along comes someone who says what? Pay me your money, pay me your money, and you can cheat that. You can eat more and exercise less. And does it work? For a while, until? And then? And you will spend the rest of your life doing what? Paying them money. Because they have control. James? Would you also say, though, that like paying money, but also paying time? Uh-huh. It's not just in my finances. It's, it's what I'm not doing. It's my time. It's my mental capacity. It's my zest. Now, a common one for your generation are all the social media things that people get addicted to. How many of you would say your phone has control over you? Your phone controls you. And you are paying it in time and money. You'll begin to see them everywhere. Now, let me show you a couple interesting verses. And I I hope you've noticed the Peter reference. I think this one haunts me. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, or sorry, chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, this is the president of the church in his day. And you know what? I just got to share one thing with you. Let me get to 2 Peter chapter 2. Okay, I'm going to get to 2 Peter chapter 2. Then I'm going to turn to the Book of Mormon. Let me show you something that really caught my attention. In Nephi's... No, let's go back to Lehi's first. In Lehi's dream, in Lehi's vision, in, in Lehi's very first vision in 1 Nephi chapter 1. Oh my goodness, why are you not jumping? I do this old school. Okay, ready? Verse 6, or sorry, verse 9. I saw one descend out of the midst of heaven. Who's the capital one? Capital O one. Now verse 10. I saw 12. Now verse 11. They came down and went forth upon the face of the earth, and the first came and stood before my father. Who's that? That's Peter. That's Peter. That really caught my attention, and I went back to the words of Peter. I went back to the writings of Peter with my just ears wide open, saying, okay, if that's who Peter is... What was his warning? And now look at the haunting verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. You are being made into other people's merchandise. 
If you do what? What's the key here? If you... While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. I can't help but think that Peter saw what all these other prophets saw, that in our day, the great secret combination is to give away your freedom and be made into merchandise to be bought and sold and profited. So I raise the warning voice. Be aware that you live in a society where I think the great secret combination of our day is addiction in every form. Now, speaking of First Nephi, do you remember how Nephi was shown the end of the world and wasn't allowed to write it? The Lord says, I'm going to show you the end, but you can't write it because John's going to write it. You remember that? So Nephi was not allowed to write about how the world ends, but it didn't stop him from commenting on it. First Nephi chapter 22 is a fascinating chapter of Nephi's commentary. Oh, my scriptures aren't. Sorry. Let me just reset them. There we go. Go to First Nephi chapter 22. Now, Nephi can't write the end of the world, but he certainly can comment on it. For example, I love verse 13. I always like to point out verse 13. I think we all expect the end of the world ends by good defeating evil, that in the end, good will defeat evil. That's not what Nephi saw. He says, I can't tell you what happens. That's not my job, but I can make what commentary. That's not how the world ends. The world doesn't end by good defeating evil. How does the world end? evil defeats evil the good will be in Zion pattern for that is when the civil war hit the United States where was the church out in Zion beautiful pattern of that that evil will destroy evil good won't destroy evil look at verse 17 I can't tell you what's going to happen but what can I tell you what does he say over and over and over again Don't worry, guys. Be righteous. The righteous need not fear. But go to verse 23. I can't tell you any details. That's not my job. But I can tell you that what I saw was churches, false churches, and the most prominent false churches of our day are which ones? (coughs) Churches that are built up to get gain. I see secret combination in that, right? And those who are built up to get power over the flesh. What did Nephi see? As he looked at the latter days, he saw churches built up to get power over the flesh. is right. Now, what's the antidote? What's the antidote? What's the antidote? Okay. Be righteous. Let me give you some help. Let me give you some help. This is where you've got to notice anomalies. Notice anomalies. Let's go back to the book that introduced the danger of secret combination. You don't need to turn there. We'll just go back there in our minds. Let's go back to the book of Helaman. Okay? I love the book of Helaman. With all my soul, I love the book of Helaman. Now, Helaman has 16 chapters. Now, how long... 
does it usually take the Lord to tell a story? Most chapter, most stories are chapter long, right? That, that's how Mormon writes. That's how we've divided up the chapters. Mormon writes a good story into a chapter. But as you look at the book of Helaman, there is one story, one story that takes three chapters. Three chapters. It's not a very complicated story. I can tell it pretty quickly. But right in the middle of the book, the Lord takes three chapters to tell a story. Now, you remember the story? This is where Nephi goes down to the Lamanites and converts the Lamanites and they become rich. Now, Nephi comes back from the Lamanites. He's praying in his garden. The people gather and he condemns them. He says, hey, right now you, you sit at the verge of destruction. Your chief judge is dead. You go find your chief judge and you'll find him dead, killed by a secret combination. So they run and they find the chief judge and he's dead. So the conclusion is that Nephi had something to do with it, right? He had to have. So they come back and they're going to arrest Nephi and they kind of put him on trial. And Nephi says, you stupid idiots. Let me tell you what happened. Go to, the, go to his brother's house. Go to Siantum's house. Ask him if he killed his brother, the chief judge. He'll say no. Then examine his clothes. You'll find blood on his tunic. Ask him where the blood came back. He'll start to freak out. When he's freaking out, ask him where the blood came. And he'll confess that he killed his brother. And then you ask him if Nephi, the pretended prophet, had anything to do with it. And he'll say no. And that's exactly what happens. Now, how long did I take to tell that story? Not long. Mormon took three chapters to tell that story. Do you see? He's waving his arms as loudly as he can. What's the point of that story? Prophets see through the secrets. Prophets see through the secrets. If you want to survive the latter days, who do you align with? You align with a prophet. Prophets see through the secrets. Now, I don't know that means that the prophet has commented on every single one of these, but has the prophet said something about social media? Has the prophet said something about all of these industries that seem to have so much control over people's lives? Prophets see through the secrets. Let me read. Let's turn to a great book of Mormon verse. Mosiah Mosiah chapter 8 is where Ammon comes and rescues Limhi. Remember how Limhi, they've fallen, uh, they're victims of the Lamanites, they're enslaved to the Lamanites, and Ammon finally finds them. And one of the questions that Limhi asks is, hey, is there anyone back home that can translate? Because while they were trying to find Zarahemla, that's where they found the 24 gold plates of the Jaredites. And they can't read them because it's a foreign language. Can anyone back home read them? And he says, yes, I can tell you of a man who can read them. So turn to Mosiah chapter 8. Notice what Limhi and Ammon talk about. Mosiah chapter 8. Verse 13, and now I said unto him, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he has wherewith he can look and translate all records which are of ancient date. It is a gift of God, and the thing are called interpreters. We call them Urim and Thummim. No man can look in them except he be commanded, because then he'd look for something he shouldn't. And whoever has them, the same is a seer. Now what does Limhi say in verse 15? Seer's greater than a prophet. What does Ammon say? Uh, they're the same. Prophet, seer, and revelator. Now look at verse 17. This is one of the greatest lists I think you'll ever find on why we need a prophet. Tell me what prophets can see. And notice the repetition. Notice how he's emphasizing. Number one, tell me what prophets can see. The past. Prophets can see the past. Number two, the future. Now notice how much he emphasizes the next one. He says it four ways. What do prophets see? First, his first phrase is, what's he say first though? By them are all things revealed. I, I guess that's a good one, but let me go to the next one. By them are all things revealed, rather shall, notice the emphasis here, secret things. See that magic word? Secret combinations. Secret things shall be revealed. Now, what's the next word? 
hidden. My goodness, I can't spell. Secret, hidden, and then not known things. And then not knowable. Things that aren't even knowable. Not knowable things do prophecy. Now, if you want to understand and survive the restoration, do you see the danger coming? Now, allow me to be a little ominous and a little positive. You will raise your children in the world that Moroni and Nephi and Mormon just described. You will raise your children in a world where there are so many people trying to control them through addiction. Things they eat, things they look at, things they hear, places they go, clothing they wear. You live in a world where your children have enemies out there and you can't even see them because they're in secret and they know a secret. They know how to addict you. They know how to addict children. Now, what's your remedy? Align with the prophet. Align with the prophet. What I love about the story of the stripling warriors is what did he call them? What did Helaman call the stripling warriors? My sons. What did they call him? Do you remember? Let's read it. Alma chapter 56. I want you to see it in the scriptures. Alma 56. This is that great moment where Antipas has, you know, the Lamanite army has stopped. And I don't know if Antipas is caught up. I don't know if this is a trap. You know, I don't know if you're going to turn around and be slaughtered. I don't know, guys. I don't know. And when they speak, tell me what they say. Uh, why can't I see it? Okay, why? These are my blank scriptures. Why do I not see it? Hold on. There it is. Good call. Great job, Kristen. In that moment, when they turn, what do they call him? In the moment of need, in the moment of darkness, in the moment of fear, in the moment, I don't know if I'm going to survive. I don't know if this is the end of my life. I don't know if this enemy is going to be conquerable. They turned and said to the prophet, Father. What kind of relationship did they have with the prophet? What kind of relationship can you have with a prophet? What does President Nelson call you? My sons and daughters. Kindly, in other words, but how does he feel about you? I love when he had, he gathered all the youth together, got all the college students together and said, look, I, I'm old enough not to waste my things on things don't matter. And then he looked you in the eye and said, what? You matter. That's a father looking out for his children, isn't it? I bear you my testimony. You don't need to be afraid of the future. You don't need to be afraid of raising your children in the future. As long as you what? Align with a prophet. Going back to this prophet. Would you, let's just do one more thing. Go to Helaman chapter 5, verse 36. When they were overshadowed by darkness, what will always shine through the darkness? Helaman chapter 5, verse 36. When the awful solemn darkness fell upon them, what will always shine through the darkness? I love this phrase. 
through the cloud of darkness, the face he saw through the cloud of darkness, the faces of the prophets. That should give you hope. You don't ever have to be afraid. Just align with the prophet and he will see every secret. He will see through the secrets and warn you. But I testify that Doctrine and Covenants 89, the word of wisdom, is the Lord's warning of the conspiracy and the secrets. Don't give them power over your flesh. Don't let them make you into merchandise that they buy and sell. Okay, one more quote. I love this quotation. Now, I don't mean this in terms of American slavery. I mean this in terms of someone having power over my flesh. Whoops. John Taylor. I was not born a slave. I cannot, will not be a slave. I would not be a slave to God. I would be his friend. I would be his servant, his friend, his son. I would go at his behest, but I would not be his slave. I would rather be extinct than be a slave. His friend I feel I am, and he is mine. But a slave? The manacles would pierce my very bones. The clanking chains would grate against my soul. A poor, loft, servile, crawling wretch to lick the dust and fawn and smile upon the thing who gave the lash. I don't mean to be offensive, but that's every smoker that I know who crawls, serves, licks the dust of the thing that gave the lash and keeps smoking. But stop, I am God's free man. I will not, cannot be a slave. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This has been class number 14 on layer two of the word of wisdom. As you look around society today, do you begin to recognize the conspiracy to control you, to enslave you through addiction? What are you going to do to protect you and the people you love, future children or maybe current children? What are you going to do to protect them from the conspirators out there? trying to use addiction to control them. Would you ponder that and discuss that with someone in your life?